song that we sang, Answering the Call of Love, um, came about um, because of a mix of joyful and sad events. It, um, the, uh, it was written in, in 2004. Massachusetts, where the Unitarian Universalist Association, uh, the UUA, is headquartered, um, as you may remember, was the first state to give full marriage equality um, to people regardless of, of the um, sex and genders of the respective partners. And the UUA was very much in that struggle. Now, why was that struggle needed in the first place? Because for the first 225 years of our nation's history, people who wanted to be in same-sex relationships were oppressed by our government and our society. And out of that came great energy from our faith and others, many people of goodwill, working to change that. And Jason Shelton, this story is told um, in the UU uh, World, our, um, our magazine. This phrase, the first phrase that was the name originally of this uh, song, Standing on the Side of Love, was first spoken by UUA president, then President Bill Sinkford in 2004. Jason Shelton, the composer, was meeting with Sinkford at the UUA headquarters they were there in, in Bill Sinkford's office when word came that President George W. Bush had called for a constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage. It's a way to overturn uh, the efforts of states such as Massachusetts that wanted to give people their full rights. During their meeting, Sinkford took a call to tell a reporter, we are standing on the side of love. Shelton started scribbling notes and lyrics. The song seemed to jump out of the walls of 25 Beacon Street, the headquarters of the time, in, he said, one of the most powerful, sacred, creative moments I've ever experienced. Joy and woe coming together to create this anthem, which became a beloved song in our tradition, um, sung not only with this you may notice if you look in the hymnal, uh, the name of the uh, hymn writers give their, their tunes a name. This one is named Sinkford. And um, it was an anthem not only of LGBT rights, but for, for all who want love to connect us, who see that uh, love is a reflection of grace um, in each of us. And um, yeah, this joyful and inspired and inspiring song it developed was also making people feel hurt and unheard and excluded. How so? Well, some folks, many Unitarian Universalists who cannot stand without assistance would hear this refrain we are standing, and they felt like, who is we? I'm not standing. I'm not able to embody this very embodied metaphor. And as the people around me are singing, we are standing, I'm feeling like, am I not in this 
we. Not everybody uh, who had a physical disability felt this way, but quite a number did. And this word came to Jason Shelton. At first he was hurt and defensive, a little angry. Then he was hurt because he really wanted to include people and he loved that this song had become an anthem of inclusion and working together in love for love, for the greater expansion always of those who are welcome, of who is welcome in our community. He didn't want his words to hurt anybody. And he said, I've shared how this was written in this blaze of inspiration, how it felt like a sacred process. How could these words that came to me in what felt like a mystical moment also be doing harm? Joy and woe. Maybe good, maybe bad. Who knows? He answered the call of love. He heard what colleagues and members were saying and just as he was inspired to write the hymn to begin with he was inspired by love to make it yet more inclusive and after um, he, he suggested some words he consulted with folks of different abilities and they loved what he came up with answering the call of love so that actually two people who had felt hurt but excluded by this beautiful admittedly beautiful song, then used it in their installations and ordinations in their congregations. And in the past year or so, when I've been moved by the themes to use a song, this or another one, by Jason Shelton, my colleague, a minister of music ordained in our tradition, a composer and conductor, I've hesitated because a, a year or so ago he was uh, stripped of his fellowship because of sexual misconduct. And again, the, the moral to me of, the, of this, this story is not just that good luck and bad luck are not always so easy to pull apart, that we don't know until the end of the story whether something that happened to us was good luck or bad luck. And spoiler alert, the story never ends. Um, but also that we are a mix ourselves of good and bad. The song is a beautiful song. And Jason Shelton has done things that are not beautiful. And here's what I really think of when I hear this story, which has been one of the wisdom stories guiding me for as long as I've known it, many, many years. Uh, that not only are we good and bad ourselves, we do good things and bad things, and the people we think of as bad do good things, and vice versa, but also oftentimes what is good and what is bad in us stems from the very same source. Now, I don't know, I don't know Jason well, and I would be purely speculating um, about what inspired his art or his misdeeds. But knowing 
the stories of many um, powerful and talented people, it often seems to be the case that what inspires them, what makes them good leaders, such as a conductor and minister of music must be, and what causes them to ignore other people's boundaries and so hurt people, they're often the same thing. In part, it stems from the same, from the same place. I'll share more about um, some examples I mean by that, but I'm also thinking about, I'm thinking about the things that happen to us, right? Like right now, uh, we are in the middle, we have said goodbye to Dan Harper, our, our Minister of Religious Education of many years, and that's a sorrow. And it is a sorrow that is making possible to us what I am sure will be the joy of getting to know Cat Boyle, our new Minister of Religious Education. The door opens and one person goes out and another comes in and brings us sorrow and joy. They're, the, they're not only woven fine, they're the same cause. Dan's leaving leads to Kat's arrival, just as Darcy Lane's departure led to Dan's arrival. And if we had not had the grief of saying goodbye to her, we would not have had the joy of all that we've had with Dan for these last 13 years. And then, of course, there are the goodbyes, such as we have said to Henry Malacone in the last, um, in the last month. Any loss. We grieve now because we knew Henry. We had the gift of knowing this good man, receiving his beautiful music, and so we mourn. And, um, and that is so whenever we are grieving a loss. And of course we are, uh, we may find that the very things in us that Create joy also create sorrow. Create sorrow also create joy. I'll give you a few examples based loosely on people I know. Some uh, identifying marks have been changed. A child, for example, who is so distractible that they struggle each morning to do the simple things, get the teeth brushed, get the breakfast eaten, get the clothes on and out the door to school on time. There are just so many other things catching their imagination. Actual objects and things to do there in the house and thoughts in their own mind that can leave them just moving the brush very slowly as they think their profound thoughts. And the clock moves on and they're frustrated because they're late and their teachers are frustrated because they're late and their parents are frustrated because they're late and Everybody who knows this child can see how creative they are. They're an artist. And a little observation reveals that the source of their creativity is exactly the same as the source of all this frustration. They move through the world seeing the beauty and interest in everything. They see beauty where others don't see it. They're interested and want to explore more closely whatever they see. They see connections among things that others don't and they have to think about them. If they completely overcame this distractibility, 
They would lose their creativity as well. Maybe good, maybe bad, who knows? Maybe both. I'm thinking of the man who's got a mind that's so precise, so able to see delicate shades of meaning. He'd make a great constitutional lawyer or a diplomat, which is an ironic thing to say because he really gets on the nerves of even the people who love him the best. Because somebody will share a simple statement and he'll say, well, not exactly. And before you know it, they're in a debate where he's asking exactly what they mean by that and finding some nuance of meaning. I'm hearing some laughs that suggest that you either know or perhaps see in the mirror somebody like this. <laughs> Hope is coming for you. And before you know it, the friend is saying, you are such a pedant, you're so picky. And that conflict and the frustration that it brings to him and those he knows come from exactly the same place as his gifts. His gift of seeing these delicate nuances that others miss. It's a gift that he brings to the world. And we wouldn't want it to go away. Joy and woe are woven fine. It may be good, it may be bad, who knows? Maybe both. I'm thinking of a woman who was a brilliant student. She was just one of those people who, who learned so quickly. She excelled at academics, and from an early age, she wanted to do something that helped people. She was drawn to medicine, such a good science student. And she went on following this drive of her gifts and the ambition that everyone had for her, including herself. She went on to get uh, an MD, to become a doctor, and also to get a degree in engineering. She went into biotech and could use this talent to help people, as she always felt she must do with her gifts. And she was miserable, because those weren't the gifts that she really loved to use. She felt she had to. She felt driven, not only by her own, her own sense of, of being beholden to her gifts, but because her family valued very much that kind of work, being a doctor, being an engineer, going into a respected field, and so did her society, her culture that wanted to see her succeed by having an important job that paid well, but what she really loved to do was make things herself with her hands. And she ignored that pull through all those years because of the power of these other gifts. And finally, she said no to them and embraced uh, this other gift of hers and became a builder and was happy. Going against the forces of her culture and her family and even in herself that were good and bad. Who knows? In order to hear her calling and serve the world in another way. You know, maybe by now you're thinking of situations like this in your own life. Your own characteristics or those of somebody you know well that um, cause problems for you and are also a source of your gifts. 
and your joys. Maybe a tragedy even that gave rise to some turn in your life, some insight or understanding. Is it good? Is it bad? Who would dare to say? But that they came together, there is no denying. Or maybe something that seemed like wonderful news, wonderful good fortune to you, also brought its sorrows. And you find as you look at your life, you cannot disentangle them. I love this Blake poem, and because of Blake's own commitment to justice and his deep heart for people who were suffering, I look hard at a line, the most troubling line in this short poem that we sang. It is right it should be so. We were made for joy and woe. Because of the context of Blake's life and work, I'm quite sure he wasn't saying it is right that some of us are born to misery and others to sweet delight. I think what he's saying is right, is that given that life is full of joy and woe, not because it's good for it to be so, not because God ordained it so, not because some of us deserve our misery or our joy, our delight, but just because that's life, it brings us joys and sorrows. It is right that we are made for this. We are able to take from sorrow wisdom and thus transmute it into joy. We are able to temper our joys with the knowledge that what comes into our life is a mix of good and bad. We are able to respond to whatever comes to us as Jason Shelton did, by answering the call of love. Taking whatever comes to us and hearing in it the voice of love. What does love call, call me to make of this turn of luck, good or bad? May we answer that call in all that we do. May we so do.